welcome to our Friday Five Live podcast hosted by Meg Foster. Meg has spent 20 years in higher education focused on student success initiatives and working in areas such as orientation, faculty development, online learning, student leadership, and first-year initiatives. Well, welcome, everybody. Happy Friday. I'm so thrilled to have Jean Mandernack with us today. Um, If you have not had the experience of learning from Jean, let me tell you, this is going to be the best 45 minutes of your week. Um, If you have, feel free to put in hashtag, you know, Jean Groupie into the chat. Um, And we're talking all kind of all things AI related. I'm, I'm had to laugh when I proposed this topic. I said to Jean, I don't even know enough to ask you questions. Like Jean had to write her own questions today, folks. Um, So we've got a lot to cover. As always, I believe in a little funny. Um, So I'm a huge New Yorker cartoon girl, in case anybody else is too. You can follow them on Instagram. Um, I'm sure you could chat GPT it. So here are just a couple of technical related ones. Um, And Chatbot 3000, since it wrote Brad's term paper, Brad could take it to homecoming. Um, So just a few amusing little laughs to get you a day going. Don't forget you can share Friday Five Live if there are things you hear today that you want to share with your team. Um, Colleagues uh, know that there are lots of ways you can um, put that out there in the universe. So if you've not had the chance to get to know Jean through some of um, the many presentations, sorry, um, that she is doing, bless her, with us this um, fall, um, Jean is the uh, Executive um, Director of the Center for Innovation and Research Teaching at Grand Canyon University um, and really has helped so many of us to understand best practices and online learning and teaching um, and has come to us this fall really um, with so much wealth of knowledge because you've been brave enough to really play around in this space of AI tools and research. So I'm going to actually stop sharing because Jean has a whole lot to share with us today. (laughs) Um, we do have, um, and you know, as I mentioned, she was kind enough to um, write her own questions um, that we're gonna gonna talk through. Um, but thank you, Jean, just for being with us and and sharing your knowledge with us. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. So to kick us off, our first question um, is, you know, there are lots of tools out there. We're talking Chat GPT, Bard, Bing, and Claude, which I haven't met Claude yet. Um, kind of what differentiates uh, each of these applications? And and thinking about it, you know, we want to make sure that today, um, if you all have questions specific, of course, put them in the chat. I'll make sure I monitor that. Um, but thinking about this, both from kind of from all those perspectives of teaching, learning, students, and I think our student services staff could really find some resources here that would help us streamline um, the work that we're doing. So, Yeah, and I couldn't agree more. And actually, the, the really interesting part is I don't think it matters who we're talking about in terms of using it, whether we're saying educators or the students or the support staff. Everyone can benefit. And what I really love is it doesn't have to be different tools. So it's not like you're like, okay, we have to learn these 22 different tools because these three work here and these two work over here. It's really kind of the same set of tools. And when you talk about, you know, the Claude, Bard, Bing, Chat, GPT, we actually could go on and on and on and on. This week, I was trying to assemble like what's currently available for generative AI tools. There are thousands thousands. <laughs> so the fact that we just picked out four 
it's because those are the ones you're most likely to come across. But by no means are they all of them. I kind of equate it to a toolbox. And if I had my own little, like, how are we going to assemble this today? We all need to start making our AI toolbox. But Mm -hmm. in any toolbox, you start with the basics. And so when I say Claude, Bard, Bing, you know, chat GBT, that's kind of like our hammer and our screwdriver. If you aren't going to have any other tool, those tools are going to get you quite a ways. And so you don't necessarily have to know about all the weird, you know, hex wrenches and all the the novelty things until you need them. And when you need them, then you can go out and find out about them. But for today, let's focus on our hammer and our screwdriver, the main tools that are really going to be most versatile Mm -hmm. to get you where you need. And so here's the joy of writing my own questions. I could prepare slides. I didn't have to pretend I didn't know, you know, what we were talking about. And so again, there are so many other tools. I don't want you to come away from this thinking, okay, these are the only four that are available. They are not. They are just big ones. And if somebody said, where do I start? What is most versatile? What is going to be most generally applicable everywhere? I would point them at one of these four. And then the next thing that happens, the minute I point them at one of these four, they go, yeah, but which one? Which one do I use? And that's where it gets a little more nuanced. Because on the surface, the answer truly is, it doesn't really matter. For most tasks, these are all going to do pretty much the same job for you. But just so that you can like have your own nuanced understanding of them. Um, first of all, when I say chat GBT, I'm almost using it like the generic brand name word. You know, we say Kleenex when we really mean tissue. That's kind of what chat GBT has become. Chat GBT is now synonymous with generative AI. So AI that is going to produce novel content. So chat GBT is the specific tool created by OpenAI. Bard is Google's version. Bing is Microsoft's version. Claude is Anthropic's version. But they're all generative AI, and they all generally do the same thing. So you'll notice on the screen here, you know, the primary purpose purpose of all of them is a conversational AI chatbot. It's supposed to be that you don't have to have any sort of in-depth knowledge or any sort of unique understanding that you can just talk to it, and it should be able to recognize language to talk back. So they all tap into these large language models um, that are really just designed to try to interact like a human would interact. The thing I think we need to remember though, they are so new. We are literally just coming up on the one year release of ChatGBT to the public. It was released in late November of last year. And when I think about how ridiculously fast everything has evolved and grown in the last year, Um, It's overwhelming, but it's also really exciting because I can't even quite predict where we're going to be in another six months. And I can't quite predict how much better these tools are going to be than they are today. And so right now, I will hear people get frustrated and they'll say things like, well, ChatGPT does terrible when it does math problems. Hmm. And the answer is, Yeah, it does. It wasn't designed to do that. It's kind of like criticizing a hammer because it doesn't do a good job turning a screw. Wrong tool. And and you're right. If you're wanting to do math, these large language models are not your best bet. Mm -hmm. But if you're wanting to 
find information, if you're wanting to create novel content, if you happen to be in an environment where you need to generate code, where you need to generate images, these are fabulous tools because that's what they were designed to do. This is so fascinating. And thank you, Matthew, who as a mechanic recommends that we perhaps use um, screwdriver and pliers, the most versatile tools in any toolbox. Yeah. You're right. That that just goes to show that I don't use tools that often. And I have literally my toolbox is pink and it's the one I got when I graduated high school. And I think it has like four screwdrivers, pliers. I think I have one of those wrenches with the little knob that I can turn, but you're right. Like it's the most versatile tools. And so right now we are with our pliers and screwdrivers mm-hmm. with our most versatile tools. Well, and you make such a, I mean, I think we forget this is still so new. Like, because yeah. I mean, already for our our language to embrace chat GPT to kind of generically refer to it. I'm thinking about how, you know, we always make a Xerox, right? Which is just like, oh, I'm going to make a Xerox. Nobody does that anymore. But in the old days, we used to. Um, And in less than a year, to fold that into our vocabulary really speaks to um, how pervasive these tools and resources have become, how quickly um, and and good to remember what they're there for and what what they are designed to do and what they are not designed to do. Because um, I think sometimes our students get caught up in trying to use them in particular, my experience, in ways that they really aren't designed to. Right. Although I, I saw um, some maybe concerning research uh, this week that student survey data suggesting that students are going to um, AI resources um, social media, um, as are it's, as their two main places to study. Um, well, it, you say concerning and I'm kind of like, I don't know if I'm concerned. What I'm concerned about is we haven't taught them the AI literacy to use it correctly, but once we can get them there. And I really do think that's one of the job of educators. We're in this weird tug of war right now because we're all fighting against generative AI because of cheating. We're saying, oh, students are just cheating and they're writing their assignments and they're bypassing the learning process by using generative AI. Mm -hmm. Probably true. But by banning it and just saying like, nobody used generative AI, we're not going to cheat. We're failing to teach them how to use the tools that will be absolutely essential to their future. And so we need to just start thinking about not only how do we embrace and use them properly, but how do we teach students how to use them? Because I'm less worried about the fact that they're going to AI, and I'm more worried about the fact that they don't understand how AI works and what its strengths and weaknesses are. And so they don't know when to believe it and when not to. So Mm -hmm. they've gotten really comfortable with understanding that the internet is full of incorrect information and that they have to, you know, review and verify but they're not taking that same level of scrutiny, maybe. I don't know what it is when they go to AI and they're just assuming, well, AI told me it must be true. Right. But when we really can start teaching them about AI literacy and even things like, where is that data coming from? How does it work? What biases are inherent? Like, how do we truly use the information that AI is giving us in a meaningful fashion? And once we get them to know that, I'm actually really comfortable with the idea that they're going to. AI to get their information as much as I'm comfortable with them going to the internet to get their information, which most of us have now gotten pretty comfortable with. Right. Right. Yes. And I, that's such a good point that we need to teach the literacy around it. Um, And I love hearing that you feel like students 
are, I guess I'm still dealing with high school students and I love my son, but he's a 14 year old freshman in high school. And so we spend, I feel like a lot of time talking about how do we assess, right? Like, yes, you're on Instagram, but that just because that person has a platform doesn't mean that the information they're providing you is accurate. So, um, how are, how are we doing that kind of literacy across these platforms, understanding that's absolutely where our students are going. And there's great information. I mean, my first year experience students have told me now for many years, dude, you could just teach everything out of TikTok videos, like, and and good, like really good quality TikTok. I mean, not, not dancing videos. I'm, I'm not that cool, but was yeah. just this morning I was scrolling TikTok and one of the TikToks literally said, I don't know why my professor keeps giving me 50 minute lectures. If she would just break that up into 25, two minute TikToks, I would learn this stuff in a heartbeat. And I was like, oh my gosh. And then I'm like, that is true. Like, why are we fighting against the way they want to learn instead of embracing how that could be useful? And I think kind of the same thing is happening right now with AI, because even when we look at, you know, when should we use these tools, which is kind of like where our conversation started with this, it really kind of goes back to, well, what's the purpose and what are you trying to accomplish? And do you know where it's coming from? And so if we look at like ChatGBT, it was designed to really understand language. It can analyze language. It can find patterns. It can organize. It can generate really good writing and really good content. It can have these ridiculously funny, strange conversations. Just last week, I had my students tell ChatGPT that it was a particular um, figure in psychology's history. So like they would go to ChatGPT and they would say, okay, ChatGPT, you're going to be Sigmund Freud. And I want you to answer like Freud from Freud's perspective and from Freud's theory and whatever. And I'm going to answer as a modern researcher and we're gonna discuss, discuss the social implications of the pandemic. ChatGPT had amazing conversations with the student because that's what it's designed for. Language tasks, it is phenomenal. Bard, the students couldn't hardly get it to do that because Bard just kept wanting to give it an answer and find the answer. And so that it would come back and tell them about Sigmund Freud. And it gave them really good, accurate information on Sigmund Freud, but it wasn't conversationally being able to take on that role. Mm -hmm. And then like Bing was somewhere in the middle, like it could kind of do both, but then it was not as like back and forth in a real time kind of dialogue, but it was quick, concise, and it attempted to take the role. Claude really is designed with a completely different purpose in mind. Claude was designed to operate just like these other functional chatbots, but its concern was bias and privacy and data and security. And so it is not connected to the internet. It is only available to use its data sets, but it's really good at language and it's really good at analyzing language, but it's specifically trying to do it without introducing any sort of biased perspective. Mm. Whereas the other ones don't necessarily have that in their programming to like try to avoid having bias. Mm-hmm. And I know that's kind of a real concern that we've yeah. heard a lot about, about that bias. So um, this is fascinating. So that's why I've not heard about Claude because right. it sounds like, so how would I would have access to that? So Well, actually, okay, so let me show you. And I'll even show you a little fun task I was doing this morning as I was prepping up. I was like, I wonder, you know, what the current generative AI would tell me. 
about the differences between these tools and when they should use them or not. So I actually went to each of the different tools and I asked it the exact same question. So here I have ChatGPT and I'm on four, which is the paid version. And so that's a little bit different than the free version. We can talk about that later. But I went and I just said, you know, I need a comparison of Claude Bart being ChatGPT. When would I want to use one? In which cases does it not matter? And I, it then just gave me this really nice, like, here's the best cases, here's the limitations, here's things where it really doesn't matter which one you choose. And then I could come back and I'd say, you know, you said Bing assuming AI chatbot. And I said, is this different than Edge Copilot? And I said, well, yeah, slightly. They each have a slightly different purpose. And then it explained those two to me. Claude also was able to, to answer this task. And I just said, you know, I need this comparison. And it went through, but interestingly, and I have another screen over here in case you wonder why I'm suddenly spacing off into nowhere land, but it actually had some incorrect information. And I knew enough about AI to know that it gave me some incorrect information. And so then I ask it, you know, ChatGPT is from Anthropic. It is not, it's from OpenAI. And it comes back and it says, oh, wait, you're right. That's, that's incorrect. I didn't get that correct. Let me correct myself. And then I said, okay, now review your whole thing. Is there anything else that's incorrect? And it went through and it reviewed its own answers to tell me like, nope, this is true. This is true. The only thing I had wrong was that, which because I know about it, I'm like, you are correct. Now you are correct. It actually took interaction for us to get mm -hmm. to a point that it was correct. And if somebody didn't know that to verify, they would have had inaccurate information. Bard then was probably the least helpful in this task, which kind of surprised me. So I went to Bard and I said, you know, I need a comparison. I use the exact same prompt in each one of these. And it says, I, I don't know that person. I can't help you. And I said, I'm not talking about a person. I'm talking about this tool. And it says, I don't know that person. And it just kept telling me, I don't know that person. I don't have enough information. I don't know that person. So then I changed my question down here and said, what is Claude from Anthropic? Because I think it was Claude that was throwing Bard off that it wasn't able to answer it. And then it came back and said, oh yeah, Bard is this tool. And then it gave me absolutely correct information and now was able to answer the question for me. But using that same initial prompt, it didn't get there. Mm -hmm. But all of the tools, and then just as a comparison here, um, oops, it didn't like my Bing. Let me go back to it. go close that but it will save it so there's where I did my comparison with that one and when I asked it it said yep absolutely and it went through and also gave me comparison of the tasks now one of the fun new releases in um, Bing so this is like the Bing um, plus AI is you can actually start to tell it what you want and this feature here like when it says what kind of conversation do you want mm. was just recently released in response to the fact that people were saying, you're not always giving me correct information. They call it hallucinations in AI. So like I showed you a Claude hallucination when it just told me like it was a fact, but it wasn't true. And so they now, you can go to more precise and it has less information, but it's more accurate. Or if you're wanting to do creative storytelling, kind of like my Freud activity, I just told them, you'd want to come out to more creative Otherwise, it's just going to kind of try to keep you on that. Here's the main information. And so Edge is now giving people an option on how they're wanting to use it, which is now opening up what it can do. 
So one of our our questions that you were so wonderful to come up with was <laughs> it was examining complementary versus premium tiers. You know, it is the free version adequate? I know a lot of us are are operating, you know, we don't have all the budget in the world. So any advice and thoughts about that? And I love, thanks for everybody's questions in our chat. And we're going to weave those in, in just a little bit. Yes. Um, so I'll start with the, is the free version adequate? Depends on what you want to do. If what you're wanting to do is brainstorming, like having it generate ideas for you, chat GPT is phenomenal at brainstorming. Um, so you could go into it and say, I'm teaching general psychology. I need, you know, activity ideas that for our research methods class. And it would brainstorm. Um, just the other day, my son was using it. He was struggling in the grocery store. He literally called me from the grocery store. And he's like, I'm in the grocery store. Now what? I What do I do? He's a sophomore in college. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he goes, I'm hungry. I'm like, buy food. I don't know what food to buy. Just keep walking circles. And I said, literally pull up your chat GPT app and ask it for food meal ideas. And he did. And then he told it what he liked and what he didn't like. And then once it had narrowed down to like five meals that he was like, yeah, I like those. He's like, well, now what do I buy? And I go ask it for a recipe. So he, in the grocery store, asked ChatGPT for a recipe. And then he said, and now give me a shopping list. And I said, okay, now on your phone, on your ChatGPT app, take your shopping list and walk around the store. So the free version does all of that. It will brainstorm. It will write content. It really, if that's what you're doing, is just kind of using it as a writing partner and a conversational partner, free version is going to do all of that. And it does it really, really well. If you want to make images, that's not in the free version. If you want to be able to upload files, you can't do that in the free version. The only place I've heard people really complain about the free version is when the servers are busy, they have the slowest uh, response time for the free. The people that are on the paid version get priority. So it just goes a little bit faster when you're wanting to do that. And I just happened to notice Pat asked, you know, what do you mean by the data analysis or, you know, what, and depending on the application you're using, it will analyze um, written data really well. So qualitative analysis, thematic analysis, coding data, according to themes within written content, it does really well. And then there are plugins and we could, well, here, I actually have a slide on that. So I'll just jump over to it. Then there are plugins that will even analyze quantitative data. Most of the AI applications themselves. So that is the BARD, the CLOT, the Bing. That's the actual application. None of those do a very good job on quantitative data, but you can get plugins and those are made by third-party developers and they rely on the application to run them, but they're just like add-ons and you can go get add-ons that would do pretty much any quantitative data analysis that you could possibly want. But the qualitative stuff, just thinking about themes, words, outliers, trends, um, you can do all of that just in that main AI application and you can do that in the free version. So that doesn't necessarily require you to go out and have the paid Wow. Is there anything in particular, any particular add-on with regards to quantitative data that you would be like, hey, I would start with checking out? Um, I would have to get back to you on that one only because at this moment, I'm such an SPSS user that it's just been faster for me to hop over and do my quantitative over there. So I haven't done that, but I do know I've heard people talking about some of them that are good. So I could definitely get back to you, but I haven't used any of the quantitative add-ons. I've used the ones with... Um, 
I've done the Scholar AI add-on. It's a really good research tool that you can use to find journal articles, organize them, summarize them, bring them together by themes and topics. It's really good. And I've used um, several of the different PDF ones that will read and analyze and combine PDFs and do things with that. Oh, that's awesome to think about. Um, and I'm going to hop over to Lynn's question because I do feel like this kind of speaks. Lynn is asking about um, AI that provides, you know, feedback or scoring um, and public presentations. And, you know, if that's so I'm not sure if Lynn's question is. I'm providing, because I'm thinking about, you know, you've talked a lot about chat GPT in, in that language, right? So am I submitting, here's here's the speech that I've given um, and, and getting that kind of feedback from that. But it's an intriguing thought process. Um, and it absolutely will do that. Like, so depending on which version you're in. So if you are in the paid version, um, on your phone right now, it has automatically audio options. So you wouldn't even have to have the written version of the speech. You could literally have it listen to the speech and then give you feedback on that. And you can just ask it, what's my language? You would have to tell it what feedback you wanted. Are you looking for content feedback, presentation feedback, language choice, clarity, conciseness, whatever. But it already could give you that kind of feedback. And if you have the written script, it absolutely can do that. You could now upload that and ask it to give feedback on any of that. And there are plugins, although again, I'd have to go and look them up. I think Video Insights is one of them that will let you now analyze videos and things like that. But then you do use the plugin to do that if you're wanting to do that on your computer. I mean, I could think about for our students how, or even our faculty, right? I'm giving a lecture. Let me see, you know, what speak this out. How does, this is something new I've not covered before. And I want to give some practice rounds to it, but. Um, well, in addition to that, you could speak it out and you could say, help me, you know, clarify it, but you could also tell it, write out the transcripts to make it ADA compliant. Give me a summary to give to my students. Give me an outline to upload for their notes. Write me 50 multiple choice questions that I can put in the LMS about this. Give me two discussion questions. So once it has that content, you can have it do all kinds of things. Write me a summary that goes with this. Give it an engaging title. Give me tips to make it more engaging. Give me examples that I could weave into this that would make it relate to students. Connect it to current events. I mean, you could literally just go on and on and on with how you could use it to improve that lecture or that speech. Mm -hmm. Wow, 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 wow. And I think about how much time we spend doing these kinds of things, right? How much more impactful would it be if I said, all right, AI, I am going to turn you over. We've talked a lot about just the efficiency, using it as an efficiency tool. Um, and and I, just, I might, my mind is blown, y'all. So I, I don't know if anybody else is feeling that way, but um, just fascinating. Um, well, and I think and you hit the nail on the head there when you said the efficiency tool, because honestly, that's all it is. AI can't do anything we couldn't do ourselves it can just do it faster mm -hmm. and it can do it so much more rapidly, readily. I mean, there's hardly anything that you could say that it can't just quickly generate that for you where it might take me 15, 20 minutes. I could get there. It's just going to take me longer. And so now I can use this to much more rapidly get where I want to be. Mm -hmm. And so even going back to your question about free versus paid, um, you'll notice here, this is the paid version of ChatGPT. And so it has an option here that I can upload files 
So I could even take things that's just pulling from my computer, but these are various AI presentations I've done. I could just grab some of these. I'm just going to grab actually some that we're using for um, innovative educators. I could grab several of these and I could say, just combine these into one, one big document for me that's not repetitive, that's going to bring that all together. And then I just tell it, combine these into one document, give me a summary, add five multiple choice questions. And it's just going to now create a new document, give me a summary about that document, and it's going to give me questions that go with it. I could do that. And I used to do this all the time. It might right. take me an hour and a half, two hours. And here, if we give it probably three or four minutes, it's going to at least have a really good first draft. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then you can go from there. And then because uh, you think about how that might free us up to spend more time with our students. To, I mean, just so many, many, many things. Um, to, to work well, and on. it allows us to like personalize the learning because education has been a collective experience for a long time now. There's one of us, there's lots of them. And so we kind of just shoot the middle. And that's really what best practices have been is how do I teach in a way that I'm going to hit most of them, recognizing few people are going to be bored because they're already past this. And a few people are going to be lost because they don't have enough knowledge to be with me. And there's only one of me. So that's all I can do is just try my best to shoot the middle. And now AI is giving us the ability to give students the tools to adapt it to themselves. And now students can start with our direction and guidance. And this is what I don't think they're intuitively knowing. Um, but with our direction and guidance, I can go to students and I can say, I don't know what you do or don't know or want more help with or whatever, but go to chat GPT. And I want you just to start with ask me questions about whatever this topic is. Keep asking me questions. And when I get them right, don't ask me so many. And when I get them wrong, keep asking me questions. Really just quiz me until I hit mastery, correct me as I go. And now ChatGPT, whether I have five students or 500 students, can give them personalized one-on-one -on -one right now, immediate feedback on what they're trying to do. And that's something I, as an educator, just couldn't do as a human. I just don't have the time and the capacity to be able to adapt instruction for every one of them. ChatGPT mm -hmm. can. And so we need to really start thinking about how this potentially changes how we even approach education, mm -hmm. because there are possibilities now that have simply not existed in our history. Mind-blowing. And, and people are, are making note of that um, in our chat. Um and and I want to, Matthew's asked, I think, a really great question. Um, he's the one who's corrected us regarding our hammer and our pliers, but he says he teach aircraft, he teaches aircraft maintenance technicians um, and asking for guidance around building an assignment for students to learn how to use AI correctly. So uh, maybe we ask AI this. Um, I'm not sure, but you know, yeah, that, well, and I really think you can't, first of all, you're right, Meg, you can like right now, we could literally say, remind me again, what Matthew's topic is. Um, how can I build an assignment for my students to learn how to use AI correctly? What, what is the topic again? He teaches what? Oh, I'm sorry. Main, uh, aircraft maintenance technicians. Made, and now I have to be able to spell. Actually, I really don't. I could spell it wrong and ChatGPT would be fine with my misspellings. Maintenance technicians. It's so stressful to have to spell in front of people. 
I know that teaches them how to use AI. Oops. I want the assignment to be a formative assignment that incorporates AI to reach a disciplinary outcome. And, and as we'll you're just let doing, it brainstorm for us. Matthew's mentioning that um, it often seems to him technical answers it generates are completely wrong. So he doesn't want students to get confused. Very, which well, actually, Matthew, we all appreciate that because we yes. would like our air, our maintenance technicians on our airplanes to not be confused. Right. Well, and actually that alone, Matthew, is a really great assignment, having them produce something with AI. So going in there and producing something, and then their assignment is actually to annotate the output, go through it. Was it biased? Was it accurate? Was it inaccurate? What were their gaps? And so they use it to produce the assignment, but the, really the assignment is them annotating the output to check its accuracy and see what's what's valuable or what's not valuable. Matthew says it's perfect and loves it. And I, <laughs> yeah, just that's, my mind is like, I'm thinking about, oh, you know, how can I help my students, right? Take, I, I feel like I need to weave this into my first year experience class for next semester, right? We, Absolutely. we, we need this um, sort of, cause I'm sure it's being covered elsewhere or I hope so. Um, but this literacy piece is just so important. Um, well, in relation to that, Meg, I'll just tell you two really easy ones that anybody can do regardless of discipline that I think are great for teaching AI literacy and getting them to learn the content, telling students, I want you to pick one thing in this class. It can be something you're really interested in that you want to know more about, or it can be something that you're just confused on and you need to learn. Like, I, it doesn't matter to me what you pick. So you kind of tap into that student agency and students' own interests. And then you tell them, I want you to go to AI and I want you just to tell it, like, teach me about this. And I want you to keep asking questions and go back and forth. And then I want you to go out and find another source, whether that's the textbook, whether it's a website. And I want you to see if you can verify um, that information. And so having them do that conversation. And then what I typically do when I have students do these assignments about having a conversation with AI, rather than having them turn in the output, there's this little button up here that when they click on it, they can just get the whole link to that conversation and they can now just submit that link to me and I can read the conversation. So as a faculty member, I can actually look at the process of learning instead of the product. Mm -hmm. And I can see what questions they ask and I can see how they dove into it. So that's one assignment that's really good. The other one, and this one works best if it's more general, like a a topic that's more general. So like I teach in psychology, very different than Matthews that's technical. That's topics that are very broad, that have theories, concepts, terms that just don't change over time. ChatGBT is really accurate with those. It is less accurate the more narrow and technical your discipline is. Mm -hmm. So you need to keep that in mind. But teaching my students to just go to ChatGBT and say, our learning objective is, and they can say whatever it is. I'm going to say, learn the structure and function of the brain, something we do in general psychology. Um, quiz me, oops, one question at a time with multiple choice questions until I've mastered this topic. Give me feedback. 
and they don't have to do anything else beyond tell it what what they're wanting to try to learn. So I teach my students, use this as your study buddy. And I actually teach them, download the app on your phone. Now, when you're sitting in your car, when you're on the bus, when you're doing whatever, when you've got 10 minutes between class, you don't have to have your notes. You don't have to have your textbook. You don't have to log into the LMS. Pull up ChatGPT and it will literally just endlessly give, I didn't read the question. So if I got it wrong, I'm sorry. Nope, I got it wrong. Um, it will endlessly quiz them. And students today, especially our Gen Z students, are, are gamers. By nature, they learn by doing, trying, and playing. And so with faculty, we always get frustrated that they're not reading the textbook. Well, let's imagine now that instead of learning by reading the textbook, they're going to game it. And they're going to sit there and answer hundreds and hundreds of questions and then read the feedback. And when they read the feedback, that becomes they're reading the text. They're now learning by the feedback. Mm -hmm. I equate it to Mario Brothers back in our day, long ago when that was the game. None of us read the manual. We just started playing. And then when we'd run into a mushroom and you'd like jump on it and then be like, oh, I thought it would power me up, but it actually killed me. I'm dead. I will start again. And now when I get to a mushroom, I know. And then I'm going to, you know, and we just kept playing and getting it wrong. They can now use chat GPT to create their own, you know, game where they're learning by just practicing. I got it right. I got it wrong. And I can just keep doing this again and again and again and again until I get it right. And if they would rather spend an hour asking themselves questions and reading feedback instead of spending an hour reading the textbook, I don't really care. They're mm -hmm. still engaging with the content. And they're now learning more about AI literacy. And I'm thinking about, you know, my experience as the parent of high school students, there is no textbook, right? Like, and so we keep talking about, you have to kind of build your own class materials as you move through. What a powerful tool this is then to help build that because, because there doesn't exist. Um Lots of great questions. We're getting um, some feedback in our chat. And I know I want to make sure we also cover the things that we've said we're going to cover. Um, so I'm going to, what I'm going to do, Jean, is like ask our last two formal questions and then link back up into the chat because there are lots Perfect. of great questions there too. Um, any AI tools we should approach with caution? I feel like um, I think we should approach all of them with a little bit of caution simply because we don't yet know a ton about the training models that were used to develop them. We don't know a ton about where they're getting all of this information to build the learning language models. Mm. But most of the AI tools that are going to be widespread um, are generally safe. And there are a couple like kind of concerns. Like let's say if you're really concerned about data privacy and bias and those kinds of things, I would automatically say go to Claude because Bing and Bard and ChatGPT just haven't told us as much about what they do with the information we enter into it. And so if that's a concern, I would point you over to Claude. On the other hand, there's also things within ChatGPT that you can do to help make it more secure for you. So for example, if you go in, where did my mouse go? Let me find him, there we go. If you go into ChatGPT there and you can go into the settings, there's an option for data control and you can actually tell it, I just don't want you to save any of my information. And so you can turn that off. Now, if they turn that off, 
Now we don't have all those saved chats. So ChatGPT automatically saves the chats. That's what you see over here in this left-hand menu. And it's going to keep those for, I believe, 60 days unless they've been opened. So if you keep opening it, it's, it restarts a new 60 days that it keeps that. Um, and then it will delete that after that point. But if you turn that control on, nothing is saved. So that's one piece that you might want to think about if you're worried about security. The other thing you can do with ChatGBT, and you have to take an additional step for this, but they have a privacy opt-out form. And you can go to this privacy opt-out form, and I'll throw this in the chat because sometimes it's a little bit hard to find it. Um, and you can come over here and you can say, I, I would like to make a privacy request. And then you can tell it, don't train on my data at all. Or you can tell it, delete my data. I don't want my personal data kept. Or you can do both. And so if the security of your information is important to you, chances are you're going to want to take one of these other steps. Mm -hmm. In terms of are there malicious tools, you know, that have the, the Trojans and things like that that could hurt your computer? Yeah, they're, they're being popped up all the time. But most of the time they're going to be caught by your own, you know, whatever malware kind of a thing that you have. The vast majority of them right now are secure in the sense that it's not going to hurt your computer. The big questions that come up on privacy and security are more like, where does my data go? And, and how is my data being used? And so those are the questions that I think we're still not getting complete and full answers from and that companies are still trying to work with to try to figure out how do we communicate that in a way that is okay and acceptable. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And definitely one of those pieces of literacy we need to provide our students too, so that they understand. Um, uh, Pat has asked the question, um, chat GPT does a great job summarizing information. Um, have you ever used it? Anybody used it to mark assignments, which I think is an intriguing one. So I actually have used it and we were testing because what we really wanted to know is how would its feedback on an assignment? Now, when I say mark, I don't ever use it to like give the grade, but to give feedback. So I'll go into ChatGPT and I'll say, you know, the following research proposal, give feedback on these pieces to help make it better and to help that student understand this more. So I've used it in that sense. And we did several studies where we were looking at, we would have a faculty member read it and do their feedback. And then we would compare the feedback the faculty member gave with what the generative AI gave. It's decent. It's not bad. And what we actually found was it tended to get onto themes. So it would start to focus on the same parts. And that wasn't always uniquely relevant to what that mm -hmm. student was writing. So you would have to sometimes like do a new chat and that was how it would get it off that theme. But in terms of the big picture items it was pointing out, it was pretty darn good. And they were aligned. I don't remember offhand exactly what the percentage of alignment was, but it was up in the 80 some percentage that it was aligned with what a faculty member said and what ChatGPT gave. The difference was it gave a lot more feedback. And so it would take a faculty member, I think it was like 12.2 minutes per paper and it was taking ChatGPT one and it was giving like three times the amount of feedback. And generally speaking, they were aligned in what it was asking for. Oh, wow. Well, and then you could have the assignment be student. You put in like as a part of, you know, the writing process or the research, we're going to, you're going to put this in here and you're going to get that feedback and then show me how you're making edits, updates, changes. You could actually even ask them to now, like, give me that output, give me that conversation. Show me where you uploaded your first draft. Show me the feedback that it gave and then show me the revisions that you made based on that. 
Wow. Wow. And so it looks like one of our questions was how long does link um, information stay active? And, and so you're saying it sounds like six months. It's 60 days, I believe is what it's currently saying. And that changes a little bit every now and then. So you'll okay. notice over here, I've wrote on a couple of these save. That's actually because I use them for different innovative educators training things that I've done. And so when I say save, that's my own key that I have given that link. Because if you click this button and share that link, and then you go delete the chat, that that they'll click on it and they'll be like, yeah, that's nothing. It went to nowhere. Okay. So I tell myself save because I know that I have shared that chat with other people for them to be able to read. So that's another piece that internet literacy I teach my students. When you've done an assignment using this, somehow indicate it or mark it so that you don't forget and somehow delete that. Because the way it's set up, it's going to automatically save all those chats for 60 days and then just start deleting them once that 60 days is up. Jean, this has just been quite honestly, mind-blowing. I have learned, I always <laughs> learn from you and I have learned, I I have taken many notes um, because I'm really excited to try out some of these resources with my own students, um, both the ones I teach and the ones who live in my house, uh, whether they want that or not. Um, any final thoughts to kind of wrap us up because we have uh, unfortunately hit our time here today? I will give one final thought. A lot of people get wrapped up in the prompting and how do I prompt it correctly to get what I need? And I want to tell you that you don't have to actually have the most amazing prompts. You can tell chat GPT or whatever one it is. Here's what I'm trying to accomplish. So for example, the other day, my daughter who's in high school was trying to write a resume and she was completely stumped because she has no job experience. We've come to realize how spoiled she actually is. And she was like, I have looked all over the internet for a template and there aren't any because I've never worked. And I said, yeah, good point. And she, I said, well, why don't you see if ChatGPT will help? And she goes, well, I don't know what to tell it. I don't know what information it needs. Mm -hmm. And so we literally went and said, I need a resume for a high school student with no job experience. Ask me questions until you have the information you need to write a resume. And it will now ask you. So you could actually put in a prompt that you just say, I need to make an assignment for class. Ask me what you need to know to help me make that assignment. And it will now start going through. And because I'm lazy, I wouldn't even want it like this. So I'm gonna stop it. And I'm gonna say, ask me one at a time. And so now it's going to go through and be like, what's your name? Type it in. Okay, done. Okay, what year are you? Type it in. Done. And the same thing if an assignment. So you don't even have to have the perfect prompt. You just have to know what you're trying to get to. Okay. And then you can tell it what you're trying to get to and just give it directions. You ask me what you need to make mm -hmm. this really good. And mm -hmm. it will just sit there. Oops, I would have to regenerate. Um, And it will just sit there and ask questions until it has it. And then it will finally tell you like, okay, I now have enough information. Here's what you requested and it will spit it out to you. That's amazing. 
Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. People are, are so grateful. I just want to remind everybody, we um, will make sure you'll have access to this recording either in your go-to knowledge platform, but we'll also send it out and um, hope, and we'll get Jean slides um, too, because some people were like, where are these I'll send slides? This to you. <laughs> so um, don't worry, you will get the slides as well. Um, so you'll have access to all of these resources and please do feel free, you know, share these um, with folks. Jean's doing an amazing series um, with us, short um, like 30 minutes on different um, AI practices. And I know I, my mind is spinning about other content that I can see us needing to continue to develop. We can do this. This is going to be just a long partnership, Gene. I feel like. It's um, going to be great. It is. Well, I partnership hope that- with you guys, us and ChatGPT. Yeah. <laughs> Right. A match made in heaven. Um, Yes. So I hope you've joined the Gene Groupie um, bandwagon today. Um, Lots of folks who've listened in earlier this week, Gene, to your other sessions are saying how helpful this has been. Um, Just as a reminder, we, um, or team Gene, love it. We, um, We podcast every month. Um, next month in December, we're um, going to talk about kind of five key words of um, the year in higher education. We've got a really diverse panel of speakers who are going to come um, share with us kind of their retrospective on 2023 as we look to 2024. And I'm pretty sure AI or ChatGPT will be a part of that conversation too. So Thank you so much, Jean, um, for everybody listening in. Happy, happy Friday. I hope there's time for rest and renewal, especially um, as we move into the holiday season. So know how thankful we are um, for Jean and her knowledge and for you all for joining us today. Thanks so much, Jean. Thank you. Friday Five Live is brought to you by Innovative Educators. Innovative Educators offers six online services for your onboarding support and training needs. Visit us at innovativeeducators.org to see how we can support your student success initiatives.